Okay. Kim, you got to give her that mic. You can't keep it. You got to give it away. Is this thing on? It is. Okay. Good evening, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen. I would like to tell you all about something very, very special the Lord did for me a few years ago. In August of 2017, I came down with a really bad case of sciatica. For those of you that don't know, it's a problem that actually occurs in your spine because it's compressing your sciatic nerve, whatever it's called, but um, it manifests itself as pain, actually. Like, for me, it was in the back of my thigh, and it was really horrible. What would happen is um, at night when I slept, my spine would decompress, and I'd wake up in the morning with little or no pain, but by the middle of the day, the pain would get really, really bad. So my typical day would be a work day, I'd struggle through the afternoon. I'd come home from work, and I would pretty much go straight to bed. A few times I was in so much pain, I couldn't even walk to the mailbox. I would just go to bed, and I would eat chocolate-covered almonds for supper because I didn't have to prepare it, and it was easy, and I could eat it laying down. Oh, wow. And, you know, weekends were... Um, I got very little done. I'd get up, do one or two things, and go back to bed. I spent a lot of time in bed. And I did go to a chiropractor. It helped with some things, but it never took away the pain. It just did not help with the pain. And the very worst day of the week was Wednesday. Wednesday night, we had dance practice for the dance ministry. And by then, I was already in excruciating pain. And I had to make it through an hour-long dance rehearsal. And it was really hard. My mobility was affected. I couldn't reach down and you know, touch the floor, at least come pretty close, like we do when we do warm-ups. And to make matters worse, after dance practice, I couldn't go straight home. I had to go to Duchess and pick my son up from class. So instead of a 10 or 15-minute trip home, I had a 45-minute extended torture session. So I lived like this for eight months, made it through the Christmas dance. I brought like a yoga mat to the dance room so I could lay down in between the dances. It was really hard. It was, um, this pain had a huge impact on my life and it was depressing. But um, after eight months, we had the Easter production and the dance ministry dance and the Easter production. And I remember in the production, I was just praising God with my whole being. Like, my body was praising him. My mind and my emotions were just praising him with everything I had. And from that day on, the pain was gone. That was three and a half years ago. And I really believe God healed me. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, praise the Lord. I want to thank God that I found, I found a home here. And uh, I, a lot of you don't know, I'm from Jamaica. I'm, uh, I don't know if my accent gives it away, but I, uh, you know, uh, yeah, man. <laughs> However, there's a, there's a lot of things I have to give God thanks for. And uh, I don't know even where to start, but the thing is that God is so good. And he's uh, always been there for me and my family. And uh, 
I, I, can't, I can't stop praising him. There was a couple of, couple of weeks ago I, uh, I, I, in the men's prayer, I, uh, I, I made a revelation that I was trying, I was a, I was, I'm a mechanic at the Cricket Valley Engine Center, and I'm, my preference is really a mechanical engineer. So I've been trying to get along my lines. I, I don't know if you know what I mean in terms of like, get back into the career. I, I left Jamaica as an as a engineer, so I wanted to get back here as an engineer. I came here in 2019. So I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying. So the thing is that, while you're working on your way, God has his way, and you're the salt. So if you're the salt, you have to be salt. You have to be salty. <laughs> yes, yes, you have to be salty because guess what? I'm working on, okay, I want to be an engineer, but there's a lot of people who need the salt to be uh, seasoned. And I've seen where God has been working I've been working with like with the, the, mecha the other mechanics I went through. I, there's a lot of things that I've learned in terms of culture, and the thing is that culture, uh, for example, the F word is used like very loosely in conversations, and uh, and I've seen the guys start to tone it down, and you know, I didn't even tell my boss that I go to church on Wednesdays and I go to church on Sundays, either nine o'clock or ten forty-five. So one day he said to me, um, Richard, uh, you want to take off on Wednesday evening? I said, uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. And, um, and, uh, because, you know, I, I'm not a person that tries to use my religion or my, my faith as, uh, as, a, as, a, as something to say, oh, you're, you're coerced to do stuff. But this man was looking out for me. He, he, he was looking out for me. And the thing is that in all of that, as I was saying, I was looking to be an engineer, but my, my life was there. You know, I, I recently got a promotion. I'm the plant engineer right now. I, I start next. <laughs> I, I, I start next week, Monday. And I, I praise God. I, I, I can tell you, there's so much things I can tell you that God has been working. My, even my, 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 my baby, my, my last child, my uh, Angelina, is a blessing. We have been trying for years to get pregnant. You know, as soon as we landed in the United States, we got pregnant. We have been trying for many years in Jamaica to get pregnant. <laughs> we have been to the doctor. We've been to the special doctor who has this special uh, machine that looks... <laughs> that knows when the egg is there and yeah I, I can go into many details and and I've been t I've been to the highs and lows of my wife going through the you know because every month that pass you know you you know you, you, you don't even what to say but I can tell you God is good because pastor said it the other day you sometimes you know you look for the trouble too you, you try to look around and you say okay trouble is gonna be on the other side it's not that I haven't had trouble, but all of it is God working and working to protect me. For example, I hit a deer. I looked at it and I said, okay, God, whatever you're protecting me from down there, you stop me right here. And I say, God is good all the time. Look for him in everywhere of your life. 
even when you're going through the dark times and the bright times and because when the bright times comes you feel so invincible but the dark times you get closer I can praise God all the time he is good thank you he's running the plant over there now here comes Pat Whalen fasten your seatbelts my hubby from our 52nd wedding anniversary. <clears throat> anyway, um, this, this is a praise report from a few years ago, but I knew I needed to share it tonight. Mike and I were born and raised in the Bronx. Yes, God bless it. I'm not from Poughkeepsie. I'm from the Bronx, always will be. Anyway, um, Mike had a great, a great group of friends, and um, we all got married, had kids, but they always had reunions every few years. And just a great bunch of guys. But one year, instead of a reunion, one of the guys' wives had passed away. And all the guys came in, they came to the wake, and they came to the funeral. But at the funeral, one of the guys was behind me, Tommy Carroll. And I heard him say to somebody, I don't even know if God exists anymore, and I don't have any faith. And I wondered about that because Tommy was raised a Catholic, and it just bothered me. And at the time, Tommy was in remission from cancer. So Tommy went home to Kansas, and we all went to our own homes. And a few months later, we found out that the cancer came back to Tommy with a vengeance, and Tommy was dying. And I cried out to God, and I said, Lord, you're going to have to send somebody, because I'm here in Poughkeepsie. He's in Kansas. You've got to send somebody. And then a few months later, I heard Tommy passed away. Well, that summer, his wife came back to New York to visit her family, and we again had a reunion. We went down to the Bronx, and a friend of Mike's drove us down, and Peggy had a rented car. And I said to her, would you like me to drive back up to Poughkeepsie with you? And she said, okay. So she started telling me about Tommy's last days, and she said he was very despondent, filled with despair, and very depressed. And Tommy was a happy-go-lucky guy. He was concerned about his family, if he would keep that, you know, they'd have enough finances to get by. There were five children. Most of them were gone, but a few were left. And she said um, they had to go to a doctor's appointment, an oncologist. When they got there, the oncologist was um, on an, an emergency. So they had a new doctor, and the new doctor was examining him and asked him if he had any questions. And then he said to Tommy, do you believe in God? And Tommy said, I'm not sure. And that was the end of the conversation. So. Um, a few days later, their daughter plays basketball, and she and her mom were going to the basketball game, and um, Peggy was telling me that he was very despondent that night, and his days were numbered and very sad. They came home from the basketball game, and Tommy comes running to the door. His countenance had changed. He was, dis uh, he was just so excited, and he said, guess who came to see me tonight? I don't know. He said, Dr. So-and-so. And she said, really? And she said, oh, my gosh, the cancer has gone to his brain, and he's hallucinating. She said, first of all, doctors don't make house calls, never mind an oncologist. And he said, no, he came here. He brought me a Bible, and he prayed with me. And she said, oh, okay. She went about her business, and all of a sudden, she goes into the kitchen. And on the kitchen counter is a Bible opened up. So don't give up on those you pray for, because God will bring someone to them.
Cheryl Graham. I wanted to tell you of a story that had happened to me back in 2013. All of a sudden, out of the blue, I was hit with an autoimmune disease where my body had attacked my liver. And um, I almost needed a tumor. And I was, you know, in and out of remission. I was in remission for like two years. And um, I came here for healing. And you guys anointed me with oil and prayed for me. It was like a few times in another church in the area prayed for me. I made a lot of changes with health, lifestyle, God. I mean, God was in my life. And um, I've been in remission since. So thank you. I mean, you all prayed. And I, I've testified before. And you guys put your hands up to me. And you prayed. And, and I thank you so much. And it just don't ever not pray. Don't ever be afraid to ask anyone to pray. Recently, I, I've had to make changes because I didn't like some government mandates. And I left my job. So I'm looking for another job. So please still pray. <laughs> and um, don't always be afraid. I'll pray with you. Pray with each other. Believe in miracles because either we get healed here or we get called to heaven. So, you know, we never know which path it's going to be. So thank you so much. I love you all. It's been great. Woo. God answers prayer. Deirdre Dwy. Glad to follow that one, because I have another miracle to share. Uh, so, I'm going to do this uh, without confusing anyone. So, it's, a, it's a, my son-in-law's father. His name is Steve Germano. There's more than one Steve in this story. So, Steve Germano, he got diagnosed uh, with COVID in August, and... He, uh, within a couple of days of getting a positive, uh, positive result, he woke up in the night and he couldn't breathe. So he went to the emergency room and they admitted him to the hospital. And from there, it was a downward, downward spiral in that he ended up on a ventilator. And, you know, this is going several weeks later, three weeks. It's September. He's been on the ventilator. He's in a coma. They're putting a feeding tube in him. It's, and my son-in-law is completely distraught. His wife, his brothers, they're, they're all beside themselves that in such a short time, they're seeing their father decline and possibly leaving us, right? So, you know, uh, a couple of within a couple of days, of that news, uh, his friend, meaning Steve Germano's friend, Steve Aldridge, received a phone call. And it was a pastor from their church. He had pastored their church many years before. They hadn't talked to each other in quite a while. And this pastor, uh, you know, was catching up with Steve Aldridge, and suddenly he said, do you still, you know, stay connected with Steve Germano? 
I do, he goes, because I have a prophetic word for him. So Steve Aldridge then proceeded to tell the pastor what the condition, you know, what Steve's situation was. So the pastor said, you need to get this word to him. You need to go to the hospital. I understand he's in a coma, but you need to speak this word over him. So also at the same time, I had submitted a prayer request. So church family. I went to the prayer chain, and all, this church is praying, right? Um, people in the church have been praying for Steve. This pastor called. So Steve Aldridge managed to get to the hospital, and you know how difficult it is to go and even visit anyone. Uh, so he managed to go, and he spoke the prophetic word over, over Steve Romano. And so that was, you know, mid-September time frame. Within a couple of weeks after that, up and then the hospital wanted him to move to a, a rehab center uh, because you know insurance companies all these things they start to push you out because they're not getting any more money so they wanted to send him to a rehab center and so the, you know the prognosis at this point is that his lungs are now 90% damaged because of the ventilator, right? He will probably, more than likely, will have to stay on a ventilator, or, right, what's, what's his path, right? Can he get a lung transplant? So he gets transferred to, the, to a rehab center in northern Jersey, which is a facility that really specializes in weaning people off of ventilators. So he's been there since, uh, October, and just recently, uh, you know, he had a visit from some doctors, and they checked him, and they were very surprised to find that his lungs are not 90% damaged. They're 30% damaged. And he has been able to be off of the ventilator completely. He's uh, He was also, after the ventilator, they put him just on oxygen. Now the oxygen been you know, removed, and so he is now being removed to another uh, nursing home facility because he still has to continue with uh, rehabilitation. His legs and his feet, right, are not mobile. So, uh, but his, so his journey is continuing. But you know, the beautiful thing is, is that you know uh, that no one ever expected. Right, first of all, for his decline. And then no one ever expected him to recover. And now he's, uh, you know, on his way. And it's, it's just, you know, God's so very good. So uh, <laughs> I just wanted to share uh, Proverbs 3.5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Dave Leonard. <clears throat> Thank you. Thanks, Pastor, First Lady, and congregation. Um, <clears throat> I'm really surprised that I'm here ta telling this, what happened to me, because I was always skeptical about these stories of miracles, but this happened. So um, I was diagnosed in 2002 
with uh, acute acid reflux. And I was on a prescription of uh, omniprazone, and uh, it worked. And in fact, pretty quickly, I was really surprised. But they had side effects. It had side effects, and I really didn't enjoy it. So I took myself off of it, and I lived on um, Tums, lived on Tums. Every meal, wherever I went, anything I ate, just about everything I ate, I had real problems with the uh, heartburn. It was terrible. And uh, <coughs> so that was uh, 2002. Fast forward to uh, December 19th, 2019, at 19.30, 7.30 p.m. I was in my kitchen eating dinner, and I ha was catching up on some messages, and uh, I got caught up in this message. And um, at the end of it, they, w they were praising lift your hands, praise the Lord, and I was just, I was so caught up into it, and it was just a really good moment, and so I'm arms raised, I'm home with the, and um, all of a sudden, I hear, I hear, feel, pop, right in here, and it was like, what the, but very I was like, oh my God, I think I just got healed of acid reflux. I got healed of acid reflux, and on top of it, <laughs> lactose intolerance. It was, I, I was like, oh my God, so I, I, started, I started eating stuff like I normally couldn't eat. And I was like, nothing was happening, and including dairy, cheese, etc. So, yeah, so that happened. I was just praising. I wasn't asking. I don't even know if I ever asked for that to be healed. But it, was, it happened. So I was curious. I even mentioned to the pastor once. I was like, you know, I think I figured it out. I'm not, you know, why this happened, et cetera. So I went back, and I looked at my notes, and the, the um, message. Sorry. The message that was being preached was the gift. That's all that it was. He gave me that gift, and it was, you know, it's like, wow. Anyway, so that's it. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I eat everything, anything I want. And I started doing that with my friends who knew I had this problem. So I, would, I did that a couple times. I was like, have you noticed anything? Anyway, they finally got it. Dave, we're going out for pizza. John Cuckless. Um, Hello. A lot of you guys, ladies and gentlemen, know me. Uh, John Cuckless, Mr. Cafe. Um, is that puppet? Pretty hard. Okay, we got it down from 37 and a half pages to one and a half pages. Yeah, all right, so I'd like to start off uh, with a scripture, Romans 5, 3 through 5. We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us into shame, 
because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The NIV version. Um, I'm usually hands-on, not usually reading. Uh, okay, so basically why I went through the path of life the way I did, uh, I was empty and did not have confidence in myself. Um, okay, I felt like nobody loved me. My father died when I was five. The friends I had at every level, school, events, functions, like baseball, sports, in the neighborhood, met through family, girlfriends, I felt they always left me after a while. Either they passed away, left, um, never got to see them afterwards, and that probably happened to a lot of us when we were in school. When I took drugs and partied, I felt I could be anybody. Felt comfortable in all crowds. I began spending about $20,000 a year on cocaine. People called me the chameleon because I can get, um, I could be with the sports people, theater people, smart people, heavy metal people. I could be uh, with the gay people. We used to go out in Grand Village. I could be with anybody. And now the Lord uses me for that. Okay. Uh, the testimony I'm going to give will not be uh, all the uh, near-death experiences and trials that led me to accepting Jesus as my Savior. The story of what led me to Jesus will be my testimony tonight. I had been asked multiple times by my dear friend Juan, who I met at work, to attend a men's full gospel breakfast. I always had excuses, partying, busy, not interested, etc. This one particular time, I finally said yes. He would pick me up at the co my condo in Carmel at 8.30 a.m. on a Saturday. The night before, I had been using cocaine, smoked pot, and drank an alcohol by myself. I rarely smoked pot and drank until I was drunk, but when Juan arrived the next morning, I was still high. I told him I wasn't going. He was furious. He, he broke the key that I had given him to my condo and said our friendship was over. He stormed out. I sat at the top of the steps inside my condo uh, a while crying like this. Uh, and I knew in my heart I had lost more than my long-term friend. Then the phone rang, and I, I thought it was him calling to apologize. It wasn't. It was my ex-girlfriend at the time, now my lovely wife, Donna. We had broken up for uh, months earlier and had not spoken to each other since. She told me she was at my door and to get dressed to leave. Of course, I had to ask where we were going and what should I wear. She said anything, she wouldn't say where we were going. As we were driving on 684 towards Mount Kisco, I figured it out. I was confused why she would be taking me to the men's full gospel breakfast. I didn't want to go. I had a massive hangover. I didn't even get to eat because we were late, because 
it was hours later. Pastor Jim McDonough from the Westchester Vineyard was there to give a message. After he spoke, I was encouraged to get a prayer. When I, when I woke, walked up to Pastor Jim, he reached into his pocket and grabbed a piece of paper. He explained that God had told him to write this down for somebody that would be at the breakfast. That they, that they needed to know, and that person was me. It said, if you keep going this way, you are going to be arrested or die. I knew in my heart it was for me. Pastor Jim laid hands on me and prayed, and then another gentleman named Gary Stafford, who later I called my spiritual father, asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I said yes, and he was praying for me as I went out in the spirit. I lay on the floor for hours, but it seemed like only a few minutes to me as it felt like things were lifting off of me. There were only four or five people still there when I awoke. I did not have a hangover or headache, and I felt like I could fly. That's my testimony. Amen. I have a lot of other ones, too. Any questions? Evans Shang. Good evening, church. My name is Evans Shang, as Pastor said. My wife Victoria over there. She didn't want to come, so. <laughs> so, um, as some of you know, uh, my family. I have four kids, my wife over there. Over the past three years, we've been through a lot. But before I give my testimony, I want to do this. I want to thank God for giving me the opportunity to be here tonight to testify because I'm here because of his grace. And brother from Jamaica, you and I are in the same boat. Um... I pray that my testimony will go forth in the majesty and power of Jesus Christ, that it will minister to the people and to his children according to his purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Over the past three years, we've been through a lot. It started with a house fire. We were stranded and reunited for a year and a half. We finally came back to the house. After that, my older son, Jason, was involved in a very critical act, uh, motor vehicle accident. He was brought to Vassar Brothers as a level one trauma. They said he wouldn't make it, and if he made it, he wouldn't walk. Well, he beat both. God was there. He beat both. And my testimony is this. That night that they brought him to the emergency room, the attending physician was a believer. I didn't know that. I get to find out three days later. He said, was it you who brought your son, was son, your son was brought in? And I said, yes. He said, I prayed over him before I started working on him. That was a divine intervention. And I thank God for it. 
fast forward seven months later, I and Ryan had our encounter with a motor vehicle accident. So I was in coma uh, for maybe a few hours. I woke up in the emergency room, didn't know what happened. Uh, I lost function on my left side. I had rotator cuff injury. Uh, I was in ICU for four days. Got released on the fifth day and came home to my wife, who was very supportive, and the family, church family, Pastor Rick, Sister Kim, the prayer group, Linda, and everybody who prayed with us. That week when my son had the accident, everybody in the family was praying for him, and he came through. I'm here because of his grace. God is merciful. And my testimony is, as a parent, we want everything that's good for our children. As a grandparent, we want things that's good for our children. I pray that parents continue to pray for their children, that prayer is our weapon. And God is closer to us than we know. He's closer than, to us than we know. And I want this night to be a testimony to me. I told Pastor, I'm keeping this beard as a reminder that God saved me from a fatal accident. And I know if he can do it for me, he can do it for every single one here and our family members who are not even here also. So please continue to pray because that, that is our weapon. Thank you. Cindy Signor. You want to be your mother? This one? Glenn Dockery. Uh, I love these messages tonight. Awesome. I love you, brother. Love you. Your message, the messages just hit me big time. God is so good. So good. This ready. Um, I'll start off. Four years ago, I woke up one morning feeling great, felt a little twinge in my knee, went to work. By the time I got home, I didn't feel good. I told Yanni I'm going to go take a nap. I wake up from taking a nap. The twinge is gone, but I can barely walk. My wonderful wife, instead of saying, ah, you know, I'll give it a minute, just let me call an ambulance. They take me to the Vassar, wonderful Vassar, awesome place. I get in there, I'm doing fine. I think, okay, all my vitals are good. My son, Al, I said, Al, I need to go to the bathroom. He helps me. I get in a little wheelchair, I go to the bathroom. When I come back, I can't get out of the chair. There's a doctor there, Dr. Depo, Christian. He looks at me, the other doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. He looked at me, he goes, I think I know what that is. Right? He says, I think that's GBS. I'm like, what's Never heard of GBS. It's GPS. Yane starts looking. She's, she's tech heavy, right? She gets on the phone. She's flying through it. She looks. She finds GBS. Her face goes. So I'm sitting there going, what? What does that mean? She says, it's not good. I said, what's going on? I was losing all my movement. It was coming up through my body. And it started at my feet. It was going to go all the way 
all the way. If it wasn't for Dr. Depo saying, hey, I know what that is. I know how to treat it. God blessed him with that vision to be able to tell the other doctors, here's what you need to do. And they got blood plasma together. And in fact, they had to wait a couple of days to get all that I needed because I needed five days worth of treatment. So I was totally paralyzed by, I started at 6.30, by 12 o'clock I was completely paralyzed. The only thing that was moving was my mouth, right? And my head, I could move. But there was no pain. God is good. He's awesome, awesome, awesome. My wife stayed with me throughout the entire time. She was right there. Five days, I think four days in intensive care, where they said if, if they didn't get the treatment to me, it was going to get into my vital organs, and I would have been out, okay? But he has a plan. He knew I was going to be there and hang with you guys tonight. So I had to be here, all right? So going through that, I, you know, I'm the, I'm the breadwinner in the house. I'm, I was it. I ran a business. I did everything. She was always there for me. The family was always there. We had no income coming in. But God is good. All the bills got paid. God is good. When I left the hospital, I was wealthier than when I went in. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Okay? He's awesome. Awesome. You know? And, and just, just trust him. Trust him. He has your well-being at hand. He knows what he wants to do with you. He knows the beginning from the end. And guess, we win in the end. And he is absolutely awesome. One more thing before I leave. That was caused by a vaccine that I got. Hep B, Hep, hep A, Hep B. I don't want to mix them up. That was the second vaccine, okay? My family, my kids was able to see what happened to me and see me recover. During that period of not being able to move and being in the hospital, I kept wondering, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why? Because, you, you know, you asked that. Like, why am I laying here? I can't move, okay? When all this stuff with COVID started, my family said, we ain't taking the shot. I'm like, I don't blame you because they were able to see what had happened to me. Now, I'm not saying it's not good and it's all choices, but he gave us that experience, that personal experience. Not only to me, we used to run a football league, so I had hundreds of parents come in and out of that hospital Almost every day, the nurses were like, what are you, some kind of celebrity? You got all these people. The kids, the people, the families would go by, and they would see me, and I couldn't figure out why. Now I know. He was sending a message, and we got the message. God bless you guys. I want to leave on what? Romans 8, 28. Think about it. God bless you. Amaryllis. Yes, uh, okay, I'm, I talk a lot, so I'm going to just try to go through the calendar, and that's it. Um, my first grandbaby was born July 30th, um, and just three weeks in, uh, I thought, okay, she's three weeks in, so we can go on vacation. We drove to Texas, and uh, the last night, we were in Tennessee, stopped by. The last night, my daughter calls me, and she says, the weirdest thing happened. I took a nap. Usually, done, you know, new baby and all. She was just not even sleeping. Um, and she said, I woke up from this really crazy dream that just made me want to take the baby's temperature. 
So she said, because it was hot. So I just felt the baby was hot, but it was like a summer thing. But she said while she was sleeping that um, she left the baby to a babysitter or friends in Queens where we're from. And when she came back to get the baby, the baby was on a car seat on top of a table. And the babysitter said, oh, just go get your baby. But when she went to grab the baby, the big, a big dog came towards the baby, but she wasn't afraid. She was just um, annoyed. She kept slapping the dog. She wasn't scared. She said it didn't feel demonic. It didn't feel just slapping, just an annoyance. But when she grabbed the baby, the baby was burning up in fever. She asked the babysitter, what happened? I didn't leave her like this. And she woke up. And she said, I just felt like, go take the baby's temperature. So she did, and the baby did have a fever. So she calls me in Tennessee. It was like 10 p.m. about that time. And um, I freaked out a little. I said, you know, three months old and under, they don't play with fevers with babies. If you're under three months, they will usually check you, take you, even get a spinal tap. One of my babies had that. A spinal tap because they think it's meningitis or something. But then I didn't want her to go to the hospital. And so I said, just, okay, uh, you know, uh, go get Tylenol and we'll see. And then when I hung up, I just felt, call my pediatrician, which is her pediatrician now. And I called the emergency number, gave her information. She got it. And they did call her back. And they told her, same thing, uh, Tylenol, but in the morning, come in. When she went in the morning, we were heading back home. And I knew I was going to get home late, so we were just on the phone the whole time. And she said, Mom, the babies, as soon as she did have a fever, so what they did was they got some blood work, which was terrible for her. She just kept seeing the baby get poked, couldn't find the needle, the, the you know, veins and all. And they said that she was very anemic. So because she was anemic, they told her, go to uh, Mid-Hudson Regional. And when she got to Mid-Hudson Regional that day, and this is where probably my calendar is going to come in. Um, when she got to Mid-Hudson Regional, uh, this was uh, August 30th. That was the day that she went to Mid-Hudson Regional and um, sent to Mid-Hudson Regional. The next day, she was transported. They couldn't. She, because she's a phlebotomist, like she knew about blood, she said, this doesn't sound good. When I got home that night, this was the only time I hyperventilated. I did well after. Uh, I got home that night and they, she said, mom, it just doesn't sound right because it's not just her blood, her red blood cells, all of her cells, her white blood cells, her platelets, her plasma was absolutely very low. And she said, mom, it, it can be an infection because I know I kn the white blood cells will be higher. And so when she said bone marrow and they had said something about bone marrow, my, I got a chill in my spine and I didn't want to hear the word bone marrow. You just think the L word. I didn't even want to say leukemia out loud. But so when I hung up with her, that's when my, my oldest son, he saw me hyperventilate <laughs> and he, what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, like, leukemia. like it was just horrible. It was just horrifying. And so, but then I thought of the dream and I had to go in my room, uh, pray to God. I just, I said, God, you do not give warnings and you woke her to make sure she got her temp if you were not gonna do something. So I relaxed after that hyperventilation. I didn't hyperventilate again. And so um, she said after she got to Westchester, she, it took a day or two and they finally said it was something called, I'm gonna top this up, Babosia, Babesia? Babesia? It, it, it was a tick, but they're saying she's so young, it must have been in utero, she probably got bit, and so the baby got it, um, and it does just shoot down all their blood cells and all. 
So she did get a blood transfusion that first night. And I, you know, I had my best friend praying, Martha. I, I think I did speak to Sister Kim and, and the pastor, and I know that um, they were praying. Um, I just told them, and I just, for some reason, you just kind of, um, it was a few words that the pastor said a few weeks, months ago. You know, you ask for prayer, and then you, you're unheard, you know, where are you? So I knew I had to uh, testify, and, uh, but I didn't think of, like, calling anyone else. Um, and then, for some reason, Sister Barbara uh, she texted me because she wanted to give the baby a gift. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, but she is in the hospital. And she said, what? No, you got to get on that prayer line. And uh, she said, I'll call you back in a little while. She called me back, and she said, you're on the prayer line. And I said, oh, great, thank you so much, because it just didn't even register to me at the moment. So she put me on the prayer line. And I, lo I love Sister Barbara. I love Sister Pat. You know, you're just so busy, and you're just so concerned with it. Even though in front of the, the daughter, I'm like constantly talking on the phone. No, oh, no, God, God's got this because he gave you a dream. You know, we're fine. You hang up and you just, Lord, Father, God, help us. So the blood transfusion got her levels back up. And they thought, okay, great. But by the 2nd of September, the 3rd, Ms. Barbara, was, she called me September 3rd. By the four, uh, 4th. Something happened. I think the day he, she got on the prayer line, Pastor Mike just saw it, and I, we didn't know that he, he worked somewhere around Westchester, and it was late at night, and I was on the phone with her, probably midnight, and she said, Mom, they're saying that some man named, named Mike is here. And I was like, do you know who he is? Uh, I said, don't go out there. <laughs> so, um, but then I was like, wait, hold on, it could be Pastor Mike. It just, it didn't register like midnight. And, and he was there, but he didn't, you don't know, uh, because I was okay, because I knew the baby was going to be fine. The one that had my heart was my daughter. As a new mom, this is, I just, I can't imagine. And then because as soon as she got there, the, the mandates began. So she was like, mom, they shut everyone out. No one can visit. And so I got a test as soon as I knew, um, and Pastor Mike, he, he was driving around with his test, I guess, and he was able to go up. And God heard my prayer. I, I needed someone there. Um, my best friend had been able to get there. And so once she put her name down, and, and uh, Aaron's dad, um, my, my, her father-in-law, he was able to go in. They were the only two that were in and out. My daughter was just there. She just couldn't even, they didn't even let her go out to the hallway too much, I think, you know? Um, and so I, I wanted someone to pray over this baby and pray over her. And I couldn't believe as soon as I was like, okay, great. If he's, that's best of my cake. I hung up and I just cried and I said, thank you, God. Thank you that you sent someone to pray. So I knew she was being prayed over um, and it was great. The next day they said um, the blood levels are going down again. We might need a second blood transfusion. And I, I just prayed, God, Father God, please. You know, I don't want another blood transfusion because the baby would get something wasn't right, uh, like even feverish. It could be a bad reaction, right? And so, yeah, sure enough, uh, Sister Pat I texted me. She said, how's the baby doing? And I was like, you know, keep praying, not good. Um, we, we're going to hear by tomorrow. Well, the next day, which was Labor Day, Monday, September 6th, yeah, I, I was calling, but I didn't want to hear the words second blood transfusion. She called me. She sounds very chipper. And she said, oh, yeah, we're getting discharged. We're about to leave. I'm like, 
what happened? Like from la from one overnight, like overnight, it was amazing. And um, I want to thank you all. Thank you so much for prayer line. Um, it, it works. Praise God. Oh, and yeah, Psalms 28:7. It was the verse for today's Bible. I think it always has a verse. And uh, when it came up this morning, I was just so very thankful because it goes with how I feel. I'm not gonna sing though, but um, that's the way it felt. It said something should have had before. Um, Psalms 28:7. Trust in the Lord. And I know it says ends. It's not coming up, but it ends with sing a song of praise to him because you put your trust in him and he's with you. Amen. Amen. Anybody else think that was awesome? Let's give God a hand clap of praise. Can you, 